I am so excited to be alive in the times that we're living in right now. Amen. It could have been born at any time in world history, but we were born to live right now. God's hand is on us for right now. We could have been there on the day of Pentecost. We could have been the generation that told him goodbye. But wouldn't it be something if we were living in the generation that said hello? <laughs> Praise God. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. My mother used to sing that. I'd watch her swing that left arm and flip the tremolo on that organ. She'd back. Welcome back, Jesus. You've been gone so long. It's been a while. Almost 2,000 years. Almost. But I believe, I believe he's coming back. I believe he's coming back. I was going through records this morning, and the first video that I posted online with just me and a very skeletal team in this church was on March the 20th, 2020. My wife and I came home from California. I had preached that Sunday in Sacramento. Got on a flight home on Monday morning. That Monday on our way to the airport, um, they had announced that the actual city we were in, Elk Grove, right outside of Sacramento, that they were closing their schools because of this virus that was being loosed. And uh, it was very aggressive. So Elk Grove, that very city that we were in, was the first school system in America to shut down. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that we were foolish, but I just kind of like, whatever. It is what it is. Got on our flight, came home, had a lot going. We had church on Wednesday, had church on Sunday. I preached a little sermon called Don't Believe the Headlines. Isn't that something looking back? And uh, I haven't changed my mind. I still don't believe squat, they say. Nothing. I don't. But we came in here and I was wrestling. I, I'm not saying this uh, to give the devil any credit, but I'm, I mean it. I think I may have been as close to a nervous breakdown as I had ever been as a pastor. Thinking about what people were saying that if you gather together and you have church, that you're going to kill everybody that comes. And if people show up, you know, they, they literally started saying people are going to fall dead in the streets. People are going to, they're going to choke to death on their own lung fluid and we're going to find people dead in the streets. And so we came in here on a Thursday night for prayer meeting which I believe was on that night, the 20th. And we started getting things set up. And I told this church that night, now here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. There were no more people here on that Thursday night than there is on any other normal Thursday night prayer meeting. But I wondered after that night if we would have known that was going to be the last prayer meeting that we would have for several weeks how many people would have come? That night before that, on Wednesday night, we had church. There was a little fear starting to stir. The governor was starting to crack down on some things. And I wondered if people would have known that was the last Wednesday night that we were going to have church for a while, how many more people would have come? But they had to mow. They had to start spring cleaning on their house. Maybe one of them had a wedding. One of them had a piece of ground that they bought. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Jesus said, I'm about to have a feast. But I went after some people and they said, well, I can't do it because I'm too busy. I bought a piece of property that I got to see after. There's a wedding I got to go to. He said, that's all right. Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them. Listen, this is what I want to tell you. The feast is going to happen with or without me. But I made up in my mind a long time ago, I will be ready 
and I will be present at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. Now, I'm going to preach to you today from the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. And I'm going to get to it in just a few moments. But it's, it's a very famous uh, chapter, especially speaking of Hebrew history. It's very famous. This is the Ezekiel vision, the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm going to preach to you a sermon from this chapter that I've preached a few times around the country, but I've never preached the exact sermon here. And to be honest with you, today what I'm going to preach to you, I've never preached on this matter. So it's kind of irrelevant. I just want you to know that if you have seen that sermon somewhere on video that I've preached somewhere else, I'm going to use the same title. But I'm going to talk to you from a, a different way. I've, I've never felt more desperation to preach than I feel right now, ever in my life. I've never felt more desperation to preach. If I had it my way right now, I'd be in church seven nights a week. I would, I'd be in church every single day of my life. Because I feel like we are so close to the coming of the Lord. And I just wonder, I'm, I'm talking to you about the way it was in March of 2020. But I just wonder, and this is on my mind, you've heard me say this from the platform, you've heard me say it in the prayer room, that if this was the last Sunday we ever had together, if today, if today, this day, today, the 25th, was our last Sunday together in the house of the Lord, I wonder how many people, if they knew, that let's just say Monday the 26th was the coming of the Lord. I wonder how many people that are sitting at home right now watching on their Facebook or YouTube would have been here today. You think there's going to be anybody the day after the rapture that's going to wish they would have been the house of the Lord? I'll never forget the pictures that were taken after everything started closing down. And I'm going to tell you what was revealed to us in 2020 is just how incompetent governments of the world are. Listen, if you're still waiting on the government to save you, bad news. It's over. There is no government going to save you except for the government that's on his shoulders. Isaiah 9 and 6, there ain't a president alive or dead that can fix what's going on in this world. We saw how overnight economies can crash. We saw overnight, do you understand, do you understand right now that all of the protesting in the world, I've watched these poor Dutch farmers, it breaks my heart to watch these commies that are trying to close down these farmers in the Netherlands and tell, stealing their land, telling them they're not, they backed up to the state house or whatever they call it in the Netherlands and literally spraying fertilizer on their government buildings saying you're not going to take our land and no amount of protest is going to fix it no amount of stomping in the street no amount of blocking traffic with your tractors there's nothing that's going to stop it but I'm saying to you we saw what it looked like when shelves were empty and they tried to scare you with toilet paper Now, forgive me if it sounds like I'm being too straightforward, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence they use toilet paper to try to scare people. Because that ought to tell you what it is. It's all just a bunch of that that they need to clean up. The devil's a liar. I said the devil's a liar. And 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 then we had a we had a bunch of preachers that said. That apparently church was not essential. And now they're mad at people that don't want to come back to church when they were told for months and months and months it's not essential. There were TV evangelists that were shooting live streams from their vacation houses in Florida and in the Bahamas. And telling their people it's too dangerous for us to gather together in the house of the Lord. It's not too dangerous to fly 
to Paris or to fly to the Bahamas, but it's too dangerous to be in the house of the Lord. I'm not saying this to be ugly, and if you're a guest here, please know I'm not a negative person. I want you to know my heart today and where I'm at. But if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And when you tell people that the house of God is not essential, don't be surprised when they treat it as non-essential. And in that time, my heart was so stirred because I felt like God was awakening us. You know, I, I tell you all the time, you, you want to know what's going on in the world before you make any judgments. Look at the Hebrew calendar and where we are. And as you know today, this is Erev Rosh Hashanah. It's the eve uh, of Rosh Hashanah. It begins 26 and 27. So right now, uh, we're almost to sunset in Jerusalem right now. They're setting tables up at the western wall. They're getting ready. It's all coming together for the Feast of Trumpets. But do you know that when we all went into quarantine in 2020 and we were isolated, what they were saying in quarantine, go quarantine, go isolate and be at home. It was during the Passover feast, which was the same feast when the Passover began, that they were all isolated and in their homes. And while the Lord was saying, I'm trying to get you by yourself to find out how strong you are, there were people that said they were full of the Holy Ghost, that took those 56 days that we were apart to catch up on every Netflix series that there was. They spent time at home in their houses when they should have been alone with God and they caught up on every series they could. They watched every movie they could. They binge watched all they could watch. I wonder if it grieved the heart of God when God said was wake, God said wake up. We were saying no I'm comfortable in my sleep right here. Can I tell you that the sifting is just about over? The sifting is just about over. I'm prophesying that to you today. The sifting is just about over. The selections are being made. And God has been watching his church. And to those that are hungry, you better get ready. And to those that are full, you better get empty. For the first time in my life, and probably 100% of you in this place, for the first time in my life, I saw empty interstates. Come on. Didn't we see it? We saw empty shelves. People started freaking out. What are we going to do? There's, there's, there's no Charmin. They didn't even have any of that old John Wayne TP. You couldn't find anything anywhere. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm glad the Lord didn't come during COVID because there was even rolls missing from the church. <laughs> There's people come to FPC and say, Ooh, I think the church has got a stockpile. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, right? Here at the church. Our ladies keep potpourri spray on the back of the toilets. And we have potpourri spray and toilet paper missing. I'm like, dear God, we've come to a bad place when people are stealing potpourri from the church. <laughs> I guess that was to use in the laundry room because you were out of teepee. What a, what a time. What a time. And we laugh about it now, but I'm telling you, there were some folks spazzed out. It was crazy. And there was, a, there was an old song that Bill Gaither wrote called The King is Coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Anybody heard it? Can I read you the verses of that? The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors in the courtroom. No debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gate. Happy faces line the hallways. Those who have lived, those whose lives have been redeemed. Broken homes that he has mended. Those from prison he has freed. 
Little children and the aged, hand in hand, stand all aglow, who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. The flurry of God's trumpet spells the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grand stands all in place. Heaven's choir now assembled start to sing. Amazing grace. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now his face I see. The king is coming. And praise God. God, he's coming for me. Well, I think it was a time for the government to just get control. I think you're right. And I think God let them think they're in control. Well, I think it was just a strong arm to try to steal elections and mess things up. Oh, I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. But I'm going to tell you, I hope I leave the next election for somebody else to worry about. If the next election happens after the rapture, I don't want to be here to vote. I'm going to make it. I said I'm going to make it. <laughs> Kids have been funny this week. Our school kids have been hilarious. I think at some point, they're really starting to believe this might be the day. And I want to tell you kids something. If you don't hear a trumpet sound today or you don't hear one sound tomorrow, you need to live like you're living right now. You need to live every day of your life like Jesus is coming. I called this morning and talked to a wonderful preacher and amazing preacher and a dear friend of our family for many years, Pastor Jeff Moses in Tennessee. We started talking about these astronomers and how they were saying, well, we think the Jewish calendar's off by one or two days because of the sun. There were some things that were messed up. So they said, you know, even if this was the time for the Lord to come back, the Feast of Trumpets and all these people are making this big deal, they're probably off by a day or two anyway. I'm like, well, then you got two more days to repent, sucker. <laughs> Somebody else said when the, that when the, the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., Brother Jordan, they lost all their calendars. So we're off by a full year. They said all these cycles are off by a full year. It's not going to be till 2023. I said, well, praise God, you got 12 more months, suckers. Come on. I, I Look, I've heard all my life that he's coming. And I believed when I was a little boy. I'm serious. I believed that the moment I'd pick up that cigarette and put it in my mouth. Come on, somebody. Have you ever drank? Nope, I've never drank. Why hadn't you? Because as soon as I pick up that bottle, I'm telling you. When I take that first, first swig of Tennessee whiskey, it's over. Like the whole rapture is predicated on my failure, right? Just as soon as I take that first hit, I know that he's coming back. I want to tell you young people something. You better live just like that every day of your life. I want to tell you moms and dads, you ought to live that way every day of your life. If you wouldn't want the rapture to happen while you're watching it or while you're listening to it or while you're reading it, then put it away and get it out of your house. Let me get where I'm going. It's 11:26, and you people have roast in the slow cookers. The 37th chapter. I want to give you. I just want to give you a quick heads up on where we're going. The Lord speaks to Ezekiel in this vision. 37. He carried him away to a valley of dry bones. And the Lord asked a question in the third verse. He said, "Can they live?" And the Lord said in verse four, He said, "Prophesy to the bones and say to them." Hear the word of the Lord. Somebody say, hear the word of the Lord. He said, this is what I want you to say to the bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. That's the word. The prophetic word was, you're going to live. The prophetic word was, the wind is going to blow and you're going to live. But let me hurry through this and lay some groundwork for you. The wind was not to blow. 
until that which was scattered had come back into order. In the modern day church, and I'm going to get through this as quickly as I can, but in the modern day church, we have this philosophy that God doesn't care what kind of order is in the church. We just want him to bless it. Come on now. You've heard me say it. You've heard me preach it. You've heard me for years talk about it. That our, our churches have become social clubs. People sit there and preaching and eat their cereal and their donuts. And they, they come in, you know, drinking their coffee and just chillaxing. And, uh, where to get. I want to tell you, this is a holy house. This is the house of God. This is where the spirit of God moves. This is where lives are changed. There ain't, there ain't going to be no drug addict and crackhead that comes in here and cares what kind of donuts we've got in the cafe. There ain't going to be anybody coming here and care what kind of brand syrup we use in our coffee. When you need God, you don't care about the coffee. You want God to deliver you. We, we've casualized this whole thing. We brought it all down. Man, we got dudes in Bermuda shorts and Hawaiian shirts, their chest hair hanging out, and they're looking all kinds of slick, got their pimp daddy necklace on. They're looking all kinds of good, and they're up there telling people how happy Jesus wants them to be. There is no greater joy and satisfaction in my life than knowing someday these feet right here are going to walk on a street of gold. I have no greater joy in knowing that whatever I lay down right here, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I do believe with all of my might that in the not so distant future, I will see gates of pearl. I will see walls of jasper. I believe he's coming. Coming. And the Antichrist leftist mindset agenda in this world is doing everything it can to reverse what God said he was going to do. I could walk you through times and dispensations in the scripture. If we had all day, it wouldn't be enough time to tell you how all of it came to pass and how the devils used the same tricks over and over and over and over and over again. And he's going to do the same thing when it comes to the mark of the beast. And he's going to do the same thing when it comes to tribulation. He's doing everything he can to get people confused. But you understand when I say this to you this morning, there may be a lot of things that you don't understand about eternity and there may be a lot of things about God that you don't understand as a person and you may not have lived for God all your life and you may not be a Bible scholar so there's things about Revelation and Daniel that don't make any sense to you but I wish to God that an anointing would get on this generation like God on the three Hebrew boys they said can your God deliver you now they said well he can but if he don't what were they they said, they said, what we don't know about God, we know about us. I don't have to know everything about God to know he's got this. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying to you, I don't know when he's coming. I don't know when the trumpet's going to sound. I don't know when that day's coming. But this is what I do know. It doesn't matter what I don't know about God because I know about me. I'm going to live for God. So the Lord said, you're going to live, you're going to stand up, you're going to be alive, it's going to happen. So Ezekiel gets excited about the, the prophesying, about the word, he said the wind's coming. Somebody say the wind's coming. Somebody shout the trumpet's going to sound. I believe the wind's going to blow. And he said, but there is one problem. He said, these bones are scattered. It's chaos. There's no order. They have no covering. They have no strength. It's not together. Ezekiel, if it would have been the 21st century, he'd have stood up over that valley and said, okay, come on, wind, blow on this. Because God, your word said you want to bless us. 
I knew it'd get quiet when I stopped talking about heaven. Everybody likes heaven. We just don't like what it costs on earth. He said, I want the sound to come from heaven, but before the sound comes from heaven, there's got to be agreement in the earth. Before the sound can come from heaven, I'm going to say that a couple more times. Until the sound can come from heaven, we got to get some things in order in the earth. I want you to look at your neighbor this morning and tell them, you are not waiting on the wind. We're not waiting on the wind. Ezekiel, you can stand there all day and you can ask God to bless those bones and you can ask the wind to blow. But God didn't want them to just be blessed bones. God wanted them to be an exceeding great army. And if you're going to be an army, it's going to be because you came together. If you're going to be an army, it's going to be because your leg's not laying over there on the other side of the valley. If you're going to be an army, it's going to be because your arm is not laying over against another man's body. If you're going to be an army, you're going to have to get order in your life. And you're going to have to let God strengthen the order. I'm not trying to take for granted that everybody knows the story. But I got a long ways to go this morning. I want to get you there quickly. I want you to understand the process of how it went. He said, I'm going to have you prophesy to them. And I'm going to have you let them know that they're going to come to life. But the Lord said this in verse 6. He said, and I will ascend you upon you. I will bring flesh upon you. I will cover you with skin. Then I'll put breath in you and you shall live. Okay? What was the prophecy? You're going to live. There's going to be sin you and flesh on you. And then I'm going to cover you with skin. Let me ask you a quick question. This is going to be morbid in your minds. How many of you would have liked to have seen what it looked like if God took a valley that was scattered with bones and all of a sudden just a leg bone laying over there by itself got skin and sin you on it? It's gross. Because God doesn't do things out of order. He said when he began to prophesy... That the ground began to shake. (laughs) Notice heaven didn't shake first. There had to be a shaking in the earth. Before the sound came from heaven. What do you think we've been through in the last couple years? It's been a shaking in the earth. But some have already made up in their minds. I don't want to come together with the body. I don't need the body. I can exist on my own, but when the shaking happened, the leg that went to this man's pelvis came from that part to his pelvis, and his knee connected to that leg. Come on. And his spine, read it. It's right there in your Bible. Come on. I'm going to get you to it right there. The Bible said that his bone came to his bone. You believe that? He said it. He said, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. But before it ever, ever happened, the Bible said that before breath came, order came. And before order came, there had to be a word. Somebody say a word. You know the problem with Pentecost? We're so full of word. We've heard more preaching that would save all 7.7 billion people that's in the world right now. The Lord said, Ezekiel, you've got the word in your spirit. Now it's time to activate in the valley what the word has spoken to your spirit. Here comes the shaking. Body parts coming together. Started happening. And the Bible said, then, then, he began to lay muscles on them. Somebody say strength. You know what our order needs? need some strength and then on top of the strength you know what he laid he laid skin you know why because if you've got a body that's exposed and you blow wind into the lungs there's nothing that'll hold the wind in can I preach this to you right now we got too many churches in America that are celebrating the wind blowing y'all are gonna think I'm being ugly but I'm just telling you what I know I can tell you a lot of what's been blowing in modern religion is not from heaven it's just hot air Send me a thousand dollars and God will save your family. That's baloney. Send me a seed. Send me a seed. Send me that seed money and God's going to get your family out of poverty. You ain't nothing but a charlatan trying to 
trying to pray on the week. You know what we need? We need men of God that will stand in a pulpit and say, I'm not going to ask God to bless you until you come into connection with the body. When I was a boy, I heard preachers preach it. And if, if, this makes you, if this makes you happy, you can just consider it my sermon. If it makes you mad, I'll just blame it on my, my, my bishops. My granddad used to preach it. He'd say, all these folks loving Jimmy Swaggart. Sending their money to Jimmy Swaggart instead of paying tithe in their local church. You know what he said? He said, when your babies get sick and go to the hospital, call Jimmy. He said, when your marriage is falling apart and you need some counseling, call Jimmy. See if old Jimmy will come. See if old brother Swaggart will show up over there and pray over your family when your, when your kids are laying in a hospital bed sick. Go call Jimmy. If y'all like that, I came up with that. If it makes you mad, it's my grandpa. <laughs> he said, go, go call Jimmy. Let me tell you something, folks. I have watched, and I know, I know. I got to hurry. But I've watched in my short life of over 40 years, 41 years, I've watched the disconnect happen over time. It didn't happen during COVID. It didn't happen during COVID. It's happened over beyond my lifetime, but I've watched it happen in my 40 plus years. I've watched it happen. I've watched people sit at home. And watch church, so-called, on their TVs. Tune in on their radios every day, going down the road and say, Ooh, I heard good preaching. And, here, and here's what we got, Lord Jesus. Can y'all lock in with me today? Do you still love me? Oh, God. I hope y'all are ready for this. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's an adulterous spirit. It's an adulterous spirit. It's a spirit of fornication. Can I, can, I, can I just go ahead and preach what I know, what I feel? It's a spirit of people that says, I want the feeling of intimacy without the commitment of the marriage. I want to come to the church long enough to feel blessed. I want to come long enough to feel like I've been, I've been blessed and God has touched me in a special way. I just want to be there till I get chills and doodads up and down. My, but don't expect me to buy groceries and don't expect me to pay the bills and don't expect me to keep the house clean. I just want somebody that I can be with long enough to feel good. It's an adulterous spirit and it's working in the earth right now and it's working in the church right now. He didn't call for us to be his maiden he didn't call for us to be his concubine. He called us to be his bride. And I plan on being at the marriage supper. You know why some people wrestle with giving their lives and commitment to God completely and fully? Can I tell you? It's because you know when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you take on his name. And the only thing that would keep somebody from being baptized in Jesus' name is if they don't want to wear his name in the earth. If he does that and he washes that away, then I can't go back to it. You know what I'm going to do, Pastor? When the wind blows, I'm going to come give my life to God. You're going to die waiting on the wind. You're going to die waiting on the wind to blow. Because the wind ain't going to blow. Listen, what came first? What came first? The Word. The Word came. There was a plan. But then the man and the men in the valley had to come into alignment with the Word. Oh, God. I know I'm preaching right now. The men had to come into alignment with the word if the wind was going to blow. I've had people look at me and, and, and say to me before, you know, I just need a sign. How many you want? I mean, we can go. I'm here, man. I've, been, I've probably been driving my poor mother and my wife nuts. 
I'm here. And I'm not looking for a devil behind every bush. I'm just telling you. Queen Elizabeth dies in her 70th year of her reign. We're going into the 70th Jubilee. 70 years in Babylon. Daniel's 70th week. I wish God would give me a sign. I do too. Because when you get over Revelation chapter 9, you read about those four angels that are chained at the bottom of the Euphrates River. It's the only river in that Tigris. It's the only river that's kept its name, right? we got four angels laying at the bottom. You can believe whatever you want to. You can believe however you want to believe. It's the Euphrates River. It's right there where the old Babylonian empire was. We had four majors. We had the Babylonian. We had the Medes and the Persians. And then we had uh, the Greek and the Roman empires. Could very well be that the empires that were conquered there, the principality, the strong angel of those empires are chained up there. Could very well be. I don't know for sure. But this is what I do know. When you get in there, I think it's, I, I think, who I got back there today on computer? Wessie? Uh, I, I think it may be like 9 and 13, somewhere in there. Revelation 9, 13, where he said the four angels that were there. But you know what's interesting about that? It's so powerful to me. He said, I want you to tell the sixth angel that's got the trumpet. Now, the sixth angel, go to 14, bub. The sixth angel, which had the. Now, the sixth angel that's got the trumpet. So, loose the four angels. Y'all want to know something that's crazy? The Euphrates River is almost completely dried up. Almost completely dried up. And do you know what they're discovering as the river recedes? They look like old prison cell kind of things, steps that go down into it, and long hallways. They even found this tunnel that used to go from the palace underneath the prison in Babylon, underneath the, uh, the prison, underneath the river, and came up on the other side into their temple. It was a, you, you would walk underneath the Euphrates River, and the steps that would lead up, you'd come up into the temple of their idol gods. They found all of that since these rivers have been receding. You know what's so amazing to me? That people are still looking for a sign. We got five heifers. Oh, God. We got five heifers that just arrived in Jerusalem on the 15th, the last day of their 10-day quarantines, the 25th, the 26th, starts Rosh Hashanah. And people are like, God, I just wish you'd give me a sign. I won't be baptized in your name, but not until I get a sign. Let me tell you all something. I'm going to tell you why I wanted to preach this so bad. There was a man named Joseph Avaram. He's very old. I, I, think he may, I think he may still be living. He just turned 100 years old like during all the COVID stuff. The thing so powerful about this guy is, Brother Stephen, he's the longest standing employee in that system of, of Israel's archaeological stuff. So like, when he was in 94 years old, they celebrated his 100th birthday. It was a big deal. He was, uh, he was on the team that discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls and all this stuff at Qumran. And when he walked into Ben-Gurion's office, Prime Minister Ben-Gurion, when he walked in to tell him about the Dead Sea Scrolls, this was what he said exactly. It wasn't in English. He said, sir, we have found the word of God. We have found the word of God. But do you know when they found the word of God and started reading? Do you know what the first legible words they could read were? Do you know what the first legible words that they could read at all? History tells us through Abram and these guys. The very first words that they could read at all was in verse 3 of chapter 37 of Ezekiel. The first words they could read, can these bones live? The first, God, I feel something on that. Well, sir, you have your answer. Because the bones can live. And they're gathering right now back into Jerusalem. Can I tell you? That during all of this chaos and all this stuff going on in Ukraine, I don't have time to dig into all that hogwash. It's foolishness. But do you know that all the Jews that are trapped in Ukraine, they got together and called this emergency Aliyah conference. So that all the Jews in Ukraine and Russia and around the world, they said especially those, the 40% in North America that are comfortable in their exile. They had a meeting and said, what can we do to expedite 
Do you know when this got serious? It got serious at the beginning of September. Do you know when they started trying to fly the red heifers into Israel? About the time they start getting together saying, what are we going to do to get everybody home? Why? Because we need them home if we're going to get the temple done. And if we're going to get the temple done, then we know there's going to be an Antichrist. Because the Antichrist at three and a half years at Passover is going to stand in this temple. Let me tell you something today. If you need a sign, they're all over the place. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Holy if the wind would blow in this room today I would come forward and I would repent of my sins be baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost wind ain't gonna blow until you come into alignment with the word my God does anybody else feel that in here right now? Do you know the only place we find people tarrying for the Holy Ghost was waiting in the upper room? That's it. And they sat in there for 10 days. And then the wind blew. They thought they were waiting on the wind. They weren't waiting on the wind. They were gathered together. The Lord said, I want them to be in one mind. I want them to be in one accord. Somebody say one. one. I want them to be in one mind and I want them to be in one accord. Isn't it something we're still trying to figure out how much law we can do without? Does God really require that of me to go to heaven? I don't know if it has to do with heaven or not, but he sure requires it of me to be separate from this world. Come on, somebody. I would hate to think, and I'm not using this, you know, I got thinking this morning, I want to be real careful how I present this today. I got thinking this morning, you know, I've heard people say all my life, Brother Jordan, I've actually seen ministries ruined because they said, I know when Jesus is coming, and he didn't come then. I'm, I'm being serious. I don't mean that disrespectful. But I've seen men lose all their credibility. I don't ever want to do that. I, don't, I mean, the truth is, no man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the season. You understand that? And, and I got to think, I could hear the devil this morning saying, you big dummy. If you've been preaching all this eschatology and end time stuff and Jesus don't come, the people aren't, aren't going to listen. And this is just why I have conversations, you know, just way. Here's the thing. I really do think sometimes people think pastors get paid on a commission of how long we can make people believe Jesus is coming. The longer you keep people believing that, I'm going to give you a bonus. I'm not preaching the coming of the Lord because I plan on getting a bonus. I'm preaching the coming of the Lord because I want you to be ready. I'm preaching the coming of the Lord because if you haven't repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not ready. LG, come here, buddy. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's my dude right here. This is Josh Malone's baby brother. It's my cousin, my little cousin. Just walk with me, dude. You look good up here. I like having you up here. I couldn't believe it. I mean, not that I'm doubting God at all. Brother Jordan, God, come here, Brother Jordan. You come stand on the other side of him. He needs to be a thorn between two roses, you know what I mean? Brother Jordan got up uh, Friday at chapel. Man, he, he preached it. I could tell he was carrying a heavy burden when he came in. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man. Sister Carol, you could, you could preach it from right there. Except a man. Be born again of water. Somebody say water. And the spirit. Woo! He cannot see the kingdom. Come on, let's keep, let's keep the water stirring. He can't see the kingdom. He said, well, how can a man be born again when he's old? Shall he enter his mother's womb? He said, no, nope, marvel not. 
said, I say unto you, you must be born again. He said, unless you're born again of water and spirit. He said, then you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, he gave the altar call, and I looked over there, and they were praying for people. And LG, man, it wasn't like no big deal at all. It wasn't like he made this big show or nothing. I just saw him big old arms go up. Brother Jordan came up. He said, did LG have the Holy Ghost before today? I said, I, I, man, I don't know. I'm not sure. He said, bro, he was speaking in tongues, and it was fluent. He said, he was speaking in tongues. We got, we got in the classroom, and LG said, hey, I received the Holy Ghost in chapel today. He doesn't have to be the last one to get it this weekend. If you've not received the Holy Ghost, you can have it today. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Tell you, I'm gonna tell you, I've preached this all over, I've preached this all over the country. But I'm gonna preach it to you today. I'm sure I've preached it in this church. God gave me this years ago. What I'm gonna preach to you right now is how much it matters to God to be in alignment. If you believe it, it matters, say amen. amen. Before God does anything big, He brings humanity into alignment. Always. He ain't just gonna call the, the bride up. And let the bride be what it wants to be. It ain't going to happen. He's not just going to call. Please forgive me for sounding crude. But I'm saying this in the biblical context. He's not going to call a whore of a bride. That's why. I didn't say, that's his word. He said they were whoring after other gods. He said my bride's not going to be a whore. She's going to be committed. She's going to be in alignment with me. And when the Lord was bringing what would become his bride out of Egypt before he did he got a man and the man that he lined up was raised in Egyptian culture Oh God! the man was raised up in Egyptian culture but Hebrews said that by faith he refused Reagan to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter the culture did not affect his calling he said I may have been in Egypt but I am not of Egypt And God brought that man out of Egypt. And the Bible said he was on the backside of the wilderness when the word of God got his attention. And the Bible said he saw a bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. And he had on some sandals that had been made for him. They were special, custom order, Egyptian sandals. They were air pharaohs. Perfecto. He was a man of God, but he had on shoes that came from Egypt. And when he walked up, man, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. When he walked up to that bush before he got too close, Brother Haney, the Holy Ghost, God, the I Am, spoke to him from that bush and said, Take off your shoes. You're standing on hope. Brother St. Clair, you are so conservative. You need to let people make some decisions in their life. Let me tell you something. I don't know how thick the sole of your shoe is, but this one's about an eighth of an inch, maybe. You guess? About an eighth? Somewhere in there? About an eighth of an inch? You do understand that's the only thing separating Moses from holiness. Lord, I don't think I should have to because I turned to the bush when I heard you speak. So, so what you're saying is, God, then that if I don't take these shoes off, then I'm going to go to hell. Did you see that in there? No, he said, if you don't take your shoes off, you're going to miss the moment. 
If you don't take your shoes off, you're going to miss holiness. Some of us are so worried about what we're going to miss out on in Egypt. I'm worried what I'm going to miss at the bush. He said, take your shoes off. There's something holy happening between you. If I can get you in alignment, it's only that much. But if I can get you in alignment, I'm going to speak to you. Why do you believe women ought to look like women? Because if it's only that much, it matters. Why do you believe we ought to dress separate from the world? Because it matters to God. I may not miss heaven, but I might miss the moment. Moses could have said, I'll just stand here and wait on the voice. The voice said, you're not waiting on my wind. I'm waiting on you. to. I told you what to do. The word came. Now take them off. And if you don't take them off, I believe this. I know this is not what it was recorded as saying in English, but I believe this is what God meant. If you don't take it off, then this conversation's over. You believe that? If you don't separate yourself right now to this ground that we're standing on, we're done. This conversation is over. I'm not telling you anything else, and your people are going to stay bound up. But because a man of God was willing to draw some lines. Listen to what I'm telling you, and I'm closing. I, 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 I'm doing my best to just get to somebody right now. Listen to me. Because that man was willing to separate himself that much, God gave him the liberty to draw the line where the mountain begins in the wilderness. And the Lord told him, he said, you tell the people to not let their husbands, their wives, their cattle, their children, anything touch where the mountain begins. Can anybody tell me where a mountain begins? No, you can't. You don't know if it begins at sea level. You don't know if it begins right here. Anderson Airport's 918 feet. So have we started the mountains in Colorado right here because we're above sea level? I mean, where does it start? Where's the mountain begin? God put it on one man. And he said, you tell them where the line is. And if they cross the line that you say, then they're going to die. And they're going to be. Why would? God trust him with that because he took off his shoes it's too insignificant it's only that much it doesn't matter God said if you want to be holy you'll take them off and I'll visit you Pastor, my theology is so close to where you are today. I was baptized, but it wasn't in Jesus' name. I am that close. Then take your shoes off and let him fill you with the Spirit. These altars are wide open today. We're not waiting on the wind. <laughs> Let me tell you very quickly as you're praying. I want to tell you why the meeting convened in Israel. Some of the same rabbis that you saw in the videos, if you went and looked at the red heifers coming, some of the same rabbis that you saw in that video were some of the same rabbis that were the head of this meeting and convening in Jerusalem for the emergency aliyah, which is for the Jews to come home. And this is what they said. They said, we need them to come home because the heifers are a sign that Hamashiach Mashiach is getting ready to show himself. And we, we need all of Jerusalem, all the Jews together back in Jerusalem for the Messiah to reveal himself. I wish God would give me a sign. Here's the sign, okay? Jesus is coming. Get ready. Get ready. What do I got to do to get ready? You must be born again. How am I born again? Of water and spirit. What do you mean water and spirit? I mean then Peter said unto them. Come on, somebody help me. Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Woo, I feel him in this place right now. The king is coming. 
The King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. The King is coming. The King is coming. Praise God. He's coming. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, whatever you're holding back from the Lord today, let him have it. The king is coming. The King is coming. Praise God. He's coming for me. Come on, he's in this house. It's so beautiful. He gave us all level ground. We all come to the cross the same way. Hallelujah. Praise God the King. Praise God. He's coming. church family I want to tell you there's some things that we see in scripture that we know for sure because the scripture implicates it when when Agrippa stood before the apostle and he said to him almost y'all remember the scripture almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian you remember that almost you almost persuaded me do you realize that when Agrippa stands before the Lord, the Lord is going to ask Agrippa why he did not respond to the word of God that the apostle preached. And it's not going to do Agrippa any good to look at God and say, you know what, I almost did. Somebody in this house today is going to leave this place and say, I almost got baptized in Jesus' name. I almost went to the front, let God fill me with the Holy Ghost. But it wasn't enough to move me. And so this morning I felt the Lord ask me the question, and I'm just relaying what I felt. But it was so strong, Sister Christy, I felt the Lord speak to me. He said, if what Paul said was not enough to convince Agrippa, how much would it take? What would you have to say? What, I mean, literally, what would you have to preach to let somebody see how desperately they need to be born again if they're going to make it. Is there anything that could convince somebody if Judas wasn't convinced when Jesus Christ himself tried? I'm not here to be mean today, folks. I know I've been kind of strong this morning. I'm not here to be mean, but I'm telling you, I feel the weight and gravity of eternity in this house today. Somebody better get ready. Jesus is coming. 
And I don't care if he comes back tonight. I don't care if he comes back in 23. I don't care if he comes back in 25. I got to be ready. to say this and I'm, I'm, I'm done but I want you to listen very closely to what I'm saying I'm, I'm going to I'm going to beseech you in the Holy Ghost today okay I'm going to be strong with you in the Holy Ghost but there are some people that refuse to give God their full commitment because they're waiting on their family to come with them amen I'm waiting on my husband I'm waiting on my wife I'm waiting on my kids listen my kids know this I don't know if are all three of my girls in here right now think they are come here girls they know this I love my girls I mean they're they're my flesh and blood you understand what I like I would die for them I would kill for them I'm not I would kill for my kids I love my kids and if God will help us we're gonna go to heaven together but my girls know this I'm going to heaven even if they don't. You understand what I'm telling you? I am not going to be lost because of my kids. And you may say it jokingly, I'd rather, I'd rather go to hell with my family than to live in heaven without my children. I don't know why I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost, but I'm prophesying to somebody right now. There's a reason why Jesus said, you let the dead bury the dead and you follow me. I love my girls, but I am not going to be lost for my children. And I'm not going to be lost for my wife. And I'm not going to be lost for my sister. I'm going to make heaven my home with or without them. Let's just love God all over this room. I feel the Holy Ghost here.